Anthony Fleming is a remarkable servant leader of men. Just something about Anthony, and you'll meet him in a moment here on Brave Men today. But he, he's a man who's strong in his faith, strong in his beliefs, and then does something about it. A lot of people talk about stuff. Anthony does it. He's the pastor of uh, Church Alive in New Jersey, and they are a remarkable church. He came over to uh, the United States on an athletic scholarship to Liberty University, met his wife there, and then a few years ago just tipped into, just absolutely came on fire with, if we're going to change this nation, I've got to reach men. And man, I mean, it began to change things. He, he's written some books now. He's uh, done uh, men's meetings, just did a men's conference that was just over the top. So today you're going to be blessed. I, you know, blessed is kind of a throwaway word. Today you're going to be impacted deeply by not only the words, but the life of Anthony Fleming. Uh, meet a man who's he's got a bachelor's degree in psychology. He's got all this stuff he's done. Uh, but the key thing in starting this church and doing what he's doing now with men in the movement and the things he's doing is he got a passion for Jesus. So Chris had this idea about putting a series together about Jesus and getting different friends to speak into their faith in Christ, how Jesus changed their lives, what happens when, as they're following Christ and maybe some things that we haven't thought of before. I hope this time with Anthony is stretching for you because when we stretch, we increase our capacity. So lean into this and let Anthony speak into our lives because I believe as, he, as we did this interview, he speaks by the prophetic power of the Holy Spirit and speaks life into our lives. So, uh, I, I, man, I'm telling you, he and Miriam have built a, a great church there in New Jersey, Church Live, if you're anywhere there. Well, if you're anywhere on the East Coast, <laughs> just, just head there. And they've got conferences and things, but yeah, remarkable church. Hey, if you need uh, tools for discipling men, you can find those at Christian Men's Network. This program, uh, Brave Men, is sponsored by Christian Men's Network and the partners and friends of this ministry around the world in over 100 nations who make this possible. Go to cmn.men. You'll see the tools, materials, resources. You'll see, you click on events, see if we've got something coming up in your area. Every year, the first weekend of November, we meet in Dallas for the Lion's Roar. And that is a, uh, an influencers meeting. You're going to uh, really be impacted if you come to that. It's about a three-day thing. We start Thursday at noon. We end Saturday at noon. And it is uh, life-changing. Uh, you can go at cmn.men, see all those materials, get the audio books, all sorts of resources that are there. Today, Anthony Fleming, speaking about Jesus, Church Alive. Why did he call it Church Alive? Because Jesus is alive. Remember, hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. Today, Anthony Fleming on Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. Man, there's all this negativity on on uh, on the media. Yeah. And at the same time, uh, you know, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we have to speak hope into this thing. Yeah. But it can't be it can't be superfluous hope, right? Right. It has to be a hope that says, um, okay, here's how to deal with real stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, no question. Uh, how do you how do you do that? You've got you've got a really strong ministry to men. Yeah, 
Well, how do you speak into men's lives when things are just shaking like this, Anthony? You know, I heard something recently that, that really talked about um, being proactive with what you can control and not reactive to what you can't control. So mm-hmm. we can't control big picture politics. We can't control economies. Um, I was speaking to even someone real close to me recently, and he was talking about the economy and how it's terrible and it was this and it was that. Um, and I had to encourage him on what about his own personal economy, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. otherwise what I end up doing is I take these big picture things that I can't do anything about. The macro. Instead yeah. of um, talk about what I can do about. Um, I can't do anything about what every church is doing in America or around the world, right? But what I can do personally is I can lead my church in the God-given way that God has called me to with a vision for the future, for a vision for growth, for a vision for health. Same with, same with marriage. Like sometimes, um, Paul, I think sometimes some of our statistics on marriage, though that marriage is struggling in certain areas, um, you hear 50% divorce rate. It's probably more 30% first-timers. I think it's 50 to 60 second-timers, then even 60 yeah. 70%. Third timers, which is obviously kind of bleak, but at the same time, like, why would I allow someone else's vision of marriage to cover and and decimate my own vision of marriage? Exactly. And, and so personal vision and personal responsibility is really a, a strong message of mine because it's it's one of those things that I've had to battle, you know, over the years mm-hmm. and and God gave me a, a scripture many years ago that I think I read out of a men's book um, years and years ago. My mother just had a couple of men's ministry books. Actually, one was, was your dad's really? uh, Maximized Manhood. I think I was yeah. 18 or 19. I, I read that one. I read another one called Tender Warrior. Oh, and yeah. I, I can't remember who the title yeah. um, of who wrote that. But I think it was out of that one that he talked about Psalm 128. And Psalm 128 says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord that walks in his ways. It says, you shall eat the fruit of your labors. It says, you shall, it shall be well with you. It says, your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the heart of your home. It says, your sons and daughters shall be like olive shoots all, all around your table. Years later, I heard that there's a Hebrew blessing at weddings and they pray and sing that Psalm over the Hebrew weddings. So for some reason, that scripture stayed with me. I think out of a dysfunctional kind of home that, that could have been far, far better. I got a passion on the inside that that wasn't going to be me, that I was going to have a blessed home, that I was going to have a blessed marriage. And um, so I memorized that passage of scripture many, many years ago. And then I began to pray it over my home, pray it over my home, pray it over my home for years. I was praying it over my home. And then I felt like, Eight years in, I kind of had this moment that I went, oh, we are this. We are blessed. And, and you would know this. The Hebrew word for blessed is, is the Amplified Bible tells us this. It's happy. It's prosperous. It's successful. It is to be envied. And so I just pray that over my home, and then I declare it over my home. And here's the thing, just to be real and raw. Sometimes after an argument or a, <laughs> I like to call them a theological. That doesn't happen in a pastor's house, does it? It happens. It happens, man. Come on, man. So even, even in 
those moments, I'd pray that over my home. But what it would do for me is protect the picture of my home. Wow. Because it gives you a picture and the picture is vision. We often talk about picture, but that's a picture or a vision. And without vision, we know we perish. So having a God-given picture and a thing that you pray about regularly over your home, that then protects the image of your home. Come on, man. Yeah. And we make decisions based on definitions and image. And, you know, it's amazing. You talk about divorce rate. You know, the, the birth rate in the United States has plummeted. Everybody thought, including myself, all the experts said, man, the birth rate with everybody being quarantined and locked in, the birth rate's just going to skyrocket with all these right. COVID babies. And in fact, it's gone quite the opposite and it's wow. plummeted. Yeah, I and I think that. the problem is, is the, uh, is the intimacy actually didn't breed intimacy. <laughs> in yeah. fact, there was, there was disconnections that, that being yeah. close yeah. didn't heal because there wasn't an intimacy. Yeah. And, and many of us as men did not have an image of what we desired in yeah. our marriage for our wives we have more of an image of what we desire for us. Yeah. Right. How many times have you heard it? Well, I didn't get my needs met. Yeah. Talking with pastor Anthony Fleming at uh, church alive. And basically you're in a greater Newark, New Jersey area. Yeah. We're 20 minutes really from the city, New York city. And then we're actually 20, 25 minutes from Newark as well. So uh, yeah. not far from the, the Hudson and in a kind of nice suburban town, to be honest, in Lindhurst, where I live in, in I live in Rutherford, and the church is now in okay. Lindhurst. But yeah, we're kind of twenty minutes from a lot of different places. Yeah, and you you have kind of a uh, what what would that be called? Kind of a Southern New Jersey accent. What is that? <laughs> yeah, that? It's an, I am an Aussie. I am guilty. One guy said, "Are you from Alabama?" One day, I was like, "No." It starts with an A and keep going south. I, I'm not sure where he got his education from, but um, yeah, I'm That's actually perfect. born in Adelaide, Australia, and then yeah. grew up a lot of my life in Wollongong, Australia, now south of Sydney. Um, now, but, uh, yeah, you know, you grew so you were born in the first free city in Australia, Adelaide. Yeah, this is true, right? True, true that, and a church of uh, city of many churches. Yeah, and uh, and some great people there the the evanses right yeah there's there is some in, uh really kind of influential ministries out of adelaide and out of australia yeah. actually that have echoed through the world and then wollongong uh home to leanne mathesius is that right this is, yeah this is correct and and pastor jürgen himself yeah yeah that's right goodness yeah. it's it's yeah, strange how god spreads people around the world and then you came over to the U.S. to, to uh, you were on scholarship, right? Sports, ath athletics. Yeah, I played tennis for Liberty University yeah. and uh, met my wife there. I kind of had this, you know, from the age of 16, I read this book by Patrick McEnroe. Um, it was really a bit of a life story at the time, but it was, he started mentioning college tennis and it was like this dream I couldn't shake in my heart. Wow. Hit me regarding coming to America, playing college tennis, even though, you know, we weren't super uh, affluent and tennis is a pretty affluent sport. I just couldn't shake this whole idea of me coming to America and started praying about it and wow. believing God with it. And it was really one of the great lessons that I felt like God gave me around faith and believing him and trusting him 
was actually, was I going to trust him about this journey or was I going to trust myself? And literally barely even knew there was a Christian university in America, which just showed me how much I didn't know about America. Right. And the only university I applied to, the only university I got connected to was a Christian university. And uh, that really became a tool. You know, I'm very thankful for that environment, obviously introducing me to great, great friends, lifelong friends. Well, lifelong friends like your wife, Miriam. Yeah, and then my lovely yeah. wife. So met her there and, and had a great uh, a great time for... Let me ask you this, Pastor Anthony. Let me ask you this. So so you get this dream and this vision. You're 16 years old. Yeah. You said you came out of somewhat of dysfunctional family life. Yeah. Where does this thing tip over in a, in a man this young? Yeah. Where you begin to say, you know what? God's got something on my life. Where did yeah. that happen? How did that happen? So interesting enough, um, right around high school, at the end of high school, I really have no vision, no direction in my life. And so I wasn't living for the Lord, was just kind of hanging out with friends and so forth and going to parties and whatever. But I would go to bed at night and I would have this kind of empty feeling on like, man, God, I have no, no, no direction or no sense of where I should go. And I just prayed this very simple prayer. God, if you have something for me, would you show me? Really? Very simple. Uh, nothing deep, nothing spiritual. I just go to bed at night and go, God, if you have something for me, would you show me? And I, I think, think that's pretty deep. Yeah. And I think I prayed that for months. Really? And then within the next three to six months, God changed a circle of friends. He changed the church I went to. And before you know it, uh, God really got a hold of my world. Wow. That's remarkable. And so you come to Liberty University, which is a fantastic school. Um, yeah. I was there many years ago when it was very, very small. And uh, but Jerry Falwell Sr. had a had a dream and a vision. Without question. And it's been carried out. It's remarkable. I know Jonathan, Pastor Jonathan. Yeah. And uh, they have a great work there. I know many of the people who have been instructors there. And uh, great school, great people. And so now, you, and then you marry a uh, pastor's daughter. Yeah. So she uh, has a Portuguese background. She grew up in New Jersey. Um, it was re really kind of a miracle. Her, her parents let her go to Liberty, partially because her mom was, you know, very strict and grew up pretty old school. And, but just felt like it was on her heart that her daughter should go to Liberty. Wow. And then I meet her. We date for a couple of years, obviously. And then I went back to Australia. I kind of my green card had run out. And then that caused some relational turmoil. And, um, and we ended up breaking up for a bit. And I couldn't get her out of my heart. So long story short, I end up surprising her. I literally show up on her doorstep, so to speak, in Rutherford, New Jersey. Really? Um, that day, like, didn't call her, didn't anything. And showed up with two suitcases. And I, and I call her and then she's like, where in the world are you? She had this weird, weird sense that morning that I was going to be there, even though there was no evidence I was going to be there. And, um, and, and then uh, she gets me on the phone. She's like, where in the world are you? And I'm like, I'm in Rutherford. And then she was actually with a girlfriend. They were heading into New York city for some concert or something. They turn wow. around and, and then as they say, the rest is history. You guys got married. You ended up at Hillsong college. Yeah, so Miriam actually then about a month later went to Hillsong College. She did that for a year. Um, I was coaching tennis at the time, working full time, plus doing just evening uh, Bible college. 
And then uh, Miriam's father, once we got married, um, said, hey, there's kind of a, an opportunity here for you to start something. I've got six people, you know, almost I can give you a, on a Bible study, but I'd love to see a English church come out of our church. Wow. And we prayed about it and thought about it and, and just seemed like there were some doors opening there and then kind of began in a, in a uneducated way to, to some extent. I'd never really talked to a church plant. So I, I'd, um, we just kind of jumped in and, and he said to me, you can preach, said to Miriam, you can sing. And we just started it. And, uh, and <laughs> you can preach, you can sing. Let's go. You're six people. Yeah. Yeah. And you did. And you have carved out a remarkable church. And, and thank God you guys are now meeting in person. Yeah. There's a big deal up in your part of the world. Uh, not quite the same here in Texas where I live. Yeah. Praise God for but, Texas. Um, yeah. Thank God for Texas and Florida. But, but the fact is, is that it's been a difficult time. And in the middle of this, I've watched you because you and I met through, I think, uh, Pastor Michael Murphy. Yeah. Who I just talked to uh, yesterday. He he uh, last night. He uh, his just had the service for his father. Yeah, and um, so he lives a great legacy. And you know, uh, so in meeting and watching what you do, you've got this really dynamic, powerful ministry to men. Yeah. So now you're in the midst of COVID lockdown. You're in the middle of all this. You you start yeah. a five a.m. thing. Yeah. Right. Yep. Five a.m. men. Yeah. Like, dude, uh, 6 a.m. men, I might have been in, but 5 a.m. men, <laughs> you were really going after it. How have you encouraged? Tell me the words, like this Easter season, we're talking about Jesus, life, hope. Yeah. Uh, you've got a powerful ministry to men, a new book coming out. Yeah, in, yeah in September, actually. It got pushed back a tiny bit. We were going to do it in around Father's Day, but... September will work better, but yeah, I'm excited for the book to launch. What's the title of the book? Transform, Helping Men Get Unstuck in the Four Big Areas of Life. All right. So tell me, so that comes from practical application. So now you come back, you plant the church, hard work, you're a hard worker. Um, you've got an athletic background, which means you know how to work hard, train, yeah. do the stuff, keep yourself healthy. How have you helped men move into a place of health yeah. You know, during this season and this Easter season, I know you've you've really been a, if you will, a, a stalwart man. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. And and by the way, Paul, it's an honor to hang out with you for a little bit and uh, and talk to you and then obviously talk to your audience, too. Um, goodness. A number of things I felt like the Lord put on my heart over this last season was it's easy to get distracted. It's easy mm. to get pulled away in different issues and side issues and different things. And so, and some of these were moments with the Holy spirit myself. Some of them were probably coaching moments and common sense moments and wisdom moments from my wife, who is often our best voice and, and often the person who can go, Hey, you're, you're getting a little off here. So a little, a little. Yeah, exactly. Look, the two things I can do is lead my family well. Keep wow. my relationship with God fresh. Yeah. Then I can lead my church and then I can lead my men. Really, when it comes to my calling, I feel like I'm called to lead our church. I feel like I'm called to lead men. So that is my bread and butter. That's what I feel like I'm called to do. And um, 
So one of the things actually, and, and I would say actually within the last year, I was most encouraged by our men's transform groups on a Wednesday night, even in kind of COVID when people were nervous and, and, you know, some of the guys were on zoom and different things. We kept saying, no, we need to get together in person, to be honest, mm, because yeah. men need to get around other men. They need a handshake, high five, hug someone. Like it. They need to have fun. They need to compete. They yeah. need to get the stress out. They need to do all those kinds of things. And um, so what, what, I've, what I feel like God has given us is, so let me backtrack just a couple of years. A couple of years, and I would say four years ago, I would say our men's group were kind of stuck, to be honest. They were okay. They were a three out of 10, a four out of 10, and I'm probably giving them a prop up. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then there's been a couple of moments, but one significant moment, I wasn't praying. I wasn't doing anything spiritual. I literally was raking my leaves in my backyard. And I felt like the Holy Spirit give me insight and speak to me a word. It felt like a calling. He said, help men win in life. And that simple statement kind of seemed to be the, the cork on which everything else seemed to begin to pour out. I felt like I then saw the culture we needed, the things we needed to create. And obviously that's been a long-standing or a, a lifelong learning process from different preachers that pour into me, from your own experience, from your own pain and so forth. And, um, but I, I felt like the Lord's give me this direction, help men win in life. And when he said that, I kind of went, duh, of course. Yeah, wow. So, the, so there's a man in the synagogue famous in scripture for a shriveled hand yeah. and he's in the house of God. I want you to notice this Paul. He's in the house of God. So he's in the right place. He's got faith, but he's shriveled and he's stuck. And the essence is that Jesus comes along and he heals the hand and doesn't talk anything really about anything else yet. But the Pharisees obviously don't care. That to me is a side issue. But what you see is that a hardened heart doesn't care that men flourish. Wow. But a soft heart and the revealing of the father's heart actually help men flourish. So, so what we've done, and I feel like what well, it's a bit unique, and I know there's some guys out there who are doing it, but I, what I feel like what we have to do more is define where men are stuck, mm. then get them healed. So one of the big and lessons what, I... And what, I uh, what Jesus did right there is he said, uh, this is a man with a shriveled hand. And he said, uh, put out your hand. In other words, he asked the man to, sh to become vulnerable. Yeah. In front of everybody. He said, hey, put your hand out. Like, dude, <laughs> no, you don't understand. I'm hurting right here. This yeah. hurts. This stuff hurts. Yeah. And, and this is what the Lord gave you to minister into men's hearts. Yeah. So if, if we ask men, where are they stuck? They're stuck in one of four areas. Okay. So I call these the big four areas of life, physical, spiritual, relational, financial. Luke 2.52 is this foundational scripture on this. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and favor with men, right? So think of the, the leaders you've known over years, Paul, that have you once followed, but you stopped following. Every single one of them, they didn't fall down because they couldn't communicate. They weren't a strategist. They weren't smart. They fell down because of the four areas of life. They neglected one of those. Wow. 
So in the neglecting of one of those four areas, that's where we actually lose our fire. That's where we get stuck in life. That's, and the danger of stuck falls this and, and, and anyone watching on, on Facebook, the danger of stuck is this, the longer you're stuck, the more chance, not just your hand becomes shriveled, but your heart becomes shriveled. Yeah. And men, I believe this, that men are many times stuck in life physically, but it's a reflection of what's happening in the heart. Um, and so if we'll define where they're stuck and then create an environment that's fun, that's a growth environment, that's a personal challenge environment, that's not a perfect environment. It's, a, it's an environment of vulnerability, of vulnerability yeah. and accountability. Yeah. If we'll create that, then, then the man can get unstuck. That's fantastic. You know, uh, Pastor, and the thing is, I've watched that, you know, while I follow your social media, I'm talking with Pastor Anthony Fleming, Church Live in uh, Lyndhurst, New Jersey, which is Newark, greater Newark area, I guess, greater Manhattan, New York. I, I think we just thought I'd call you the pastor of New Jersey. We'll just do that. <laughs> anyway, well, that's I've got some very complimentary. There's some guys we'd have to talk to about that. This is true. But uh, but coming through this Easter season, yeah, you know, and and now we're moving into a Pentecost Sunday when we're yeah. actually doing this live on Facebook, and some people are listening to it on, on our Brave Men podcast. Yeah, and in that in this Easter season, you know, it's a uh, boy. I tell you, this whole thing you're talking about about being distracted. Yeah, and I think distraction can lead to uh, when you talk about shrivel and you shrivel it's, it it speaks to me of inertia. Yeah. The greatest amount of energy in uh, physics is moving something from inertia, which means it's, it's actually stopped. Yeah. In the movement. Yeah. So true. The greatest amount of energy. So once a man stops and that thing starts just, if you will, is still because we've been distracted. We've been, if you will, the negativity of this world and yeah. it's so easy gets on us. Yeah. It Even, does. Paul said that. He said the, th the cares of this world easily happen. Jesus talked about yeah. this in the parable of the sower. Yeah. And the beauty of the parable of the sower is that he was so generous with the seed. He was telling this in a culture in which seed was so valuable, they would actually place it on the ground and then turn the dirt over the seed. Yeah. They wouldn't just throw it out there. And Jesus in the parable of the sower was, would just throw it. But he said some people get caught up. Yeah. The cares of this world. Yeah. How have you helped us as men? How have you helped uh, your church and others in this Easter season? When we're talking about resurrection life, hope, yeah. uh, new life. How have you helped men move on or get started? Go from inertia, if you will. Yeah. And to get it moving. Um, you know, the invitation of Christ, this is actually was the title of our talk when it came to um when it came to Easter was greater, right? That the invitation of Jesus is always to a greater journey than you are mm. currently experiencing right now, wow. right? So Paul is fishing for fish, but now he's got to fish for people. Obviously it's a far more significant um, task. So the invitation of Christ is always into his greatness. It's into his greater mission. It's into yeah. his, the greater character of Jesus. And, and uh, look, none of us do this perfectly. We all fail at this sometimes. But at the end of the day, yeah. 
getting distracted from the mission is one of the most dangerous things, right? Because of our phones, social media, because of all that kind of stuff, it can be bombarding. And I find this, and I'm sure you do too, you want to know what's going on. But at the same time, like if you don't actually set aside time in his word, concentrating on the right things, focusing on the right stuff, absolutely will take you down. And um, so Nehemiah found this in the book of Nehemiah. He's on that great wall. You wrote a book about this called The Bartender. Mm. Um, But what happens is the voices come and they're like, everyone's going to come and attack you. And then he's got Sandballot, the Horonite and so forth. And all of them are saying, come down and have a meeting with us. All they're doing is distracting the guy. So once once a man gets vision about his life, then he's going to protect the vision. And you wow. see this with Christ, right? Jesus is preaching in one town. Everyone wants his attention. And he says, no, I must go to the other town. Yeah. And, and they're like, wait, but you're popular here. He says, no, I need to leave, get fresh revelation, fresh insight on my assignment from heaven. I need to le- lean into the Father's voice. And, and once I have clarity on that, again, this isn't always easy. But it's, it's, that's why I do the 5 a.m. club. Yeah. Because it's fighting that, that complacent spirit. 5.15, we work out for 45 minutes. 6 a.m., we pray for 45 minutes. I don't do it because I want to do it. I, I do it because I felt like the Lord kept putting it on my heart. No, you need this in your church. And um, so I go there, and there's never a night on Monday night that I'm like, oh, I can't wait until the 5 a.m. club. I'm normally like, shoot, i got to get up. <laughs> it's that commitment to get up that shakes it's, off the dust and the dirt and, on, and distractions. It's the discipline. It, discipline is never about death. It's always yeah. about life. In fact, in the kingdom of heaven, death is always about life. Totally. So, it's, it's, uh, uh, and so discipline, you don't discipline yourself because you hate yourself. You discipline yourself because, yeah. as you said, you want to win. Yeah. And so the discipline of that, and uh, what have you seen happen in men's lives, Pastor Anthony? It really has been significant. And, and I'll say this, that no program obviously is perfect and no thing we do is perfect. You still have men drop the ball. You still have men fall off. However, what's interesting is once I raised the standard on what actually meant to be part of our transform groups, wow. the attendance actually rose. It didn't shrink. And then less men dropped out. Because, you know, in the early days of your church, you're just happy people show up. You're happy they show up to your meeting. You're happy they show up to your, your Bible study. If they're 30 minutes late, you're like, oh, don't worry about uh, it. And then, and then when they say, hey, we'll be back, you think they mean next week. <laughs> they mean next Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. The, the longer I live, the more I realize that discipline is my friend. Wow. Right? So discipline good. is my friend. You know, I, I heard this recently, probably from Joyce Meyer, and she talked about the bookends, but I kind of preached on it recently about a sandwich. So in the sandwich is your bread and your bread, and then everything good is sitting in the middle, right? But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goes on and on. But the bookends or the bread is love and self-control. Wow. So all the other fruits of the spirit that need to sit in the middle 
They're only good there if you have self-control and you have love. Because I was talking to someone recently and they really lost sight on their health. They gained an incredible amount of weight. And, um, and she, the person told me, I have no peace. The interesting thing was the person lost their peace, but first they lost their self-control. Yeah. So what I'm seeing in my men, what I'm seeing in the men in our church is once they get clear, man, I am a two out of 10 in this area. I am a five out of 10 in this area. I'm a seven out of 10 in this area. Because you and I both know men, Paul, and everyone knows people that, for instance, maybe they're amazing spiritually, but the rest of their life, there seems to be this lack of order to it. Or, you know, someone who's a rock star financially and then even physically, but for some reason, their relational part of their world seems to be unstuck and the spiritual, they don't quite get it. What I've seen over time is as I put value on all four of those areas, the guy who's doing well physically or well financially goes, okay, good. You value these, but now you're showing me how to get unstuck here. Mm. And then the guy who's spiritual and values relationships, I'm also saying to him, no, you need to get your act together and work harder. So those simple principles around, it really is fatherhood though, though. Um, yeah. Paul. You know, yeah. my son, my sons are gifted, but it's, it's real practical. So what, what my book has done, it, you know, transform and, and it's really been a journey out of what we've done in church um, is marry theology and practology with one another. Is that, is that a word? I guess it is. It is now. <laughs> it is. Oh, it's an Aussie American word. It might be. You I know like what? People make up words all the time now. I'm making hey, but up that, theology. But it makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. theology, he, he, here's the big thing that I've noticed, Paul, with my own life, my own leadership, and what has changed. There is a night and day difference between preaching to men and leading men. Wow. I promise you this. There is a complete night and day difference between preaching to them and leading them preaching to them in essence brings them to Christ. Preaching is important. Preaching teaches them preaching though, sometimes shows them what they're meant to be. But if you don't give them a path of how to become what they're meant to be, they will honestly be, be beat up by shame and doubt and all kinds of mess. And, and sometimes the guy's been sitting in church the longest. He's the most stuck because he knows what he's meant to be, but he's, he doesn't have a path there. And so what I, what I feel like we've kind of tapped into is, okay, what does it look like this week? That's the essence of our question. What are yeah. you doing spiritually this week? And we tell them what they're doing. What are you doing physically this week? And we challenge them, give them a couple of options. What are we doing relationally? You're going to date your wife. You're going to hang out with your kids. Um, you're, if you're not married, how, how's your dating life? Like, what does it look like yeah. to move forward in my relational world this week? Yeah, that, building, building community in your life. Yeah. And because isolation is where men get killed. It, it truly is. And we um, isolate easily. Yeah. And that's, that's why. So we do this thing on a Wednesday night with our men. So there's about 10 to 15 minutes of just fun and competition every single Wednesday night. And the reason we do it is because men have relationship where they have fun. 
Yeah. Right. When we're competing together with it, you've, you've, I've heard you say this, that men bond shoulder to shoulder. Right. So when yeah, they're competing and we do this yeah. every Wednesday night where they, where they are competing together. Now they have memories together. Now they have laughter together. Now they have fun together. So when then, when they show up to church Sunday, now they've got some guys around that they've laughed together, had fun together. Now their camaraderie and their fellowship and their actual genuine friendship is completely different. Yeah. And, and I noticed this happened. And, and here's the funny thing. So I talk about the four areas of life, spiritual, physical, relational, financial. That's kind of my MO. Um, Jesus grows in this for 18 years. Right. But it actually is the brotherhood thing that I, it was part of the vision of what we were called to accomplish. Um, we say transform is a brotherhood that equips men to win in the four big areas of life. But it is the brotherhood thing that actually has most surprised me that I constantly hear men talk about it, that they needed, they didn't know they needed and they wanted. So our transform leaders, I don't lead a personal group myself. Our leaders do that. But they text the guys, they encourage the guys, they hang out, hang out with the guys outside of church and they do yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, and the guys talk a lot about the brotherhood that someone cared enough, someone followed up with them, someone Community. texted them, had fun with them. Um, and you know what they also talk about, which is surprising to me. They talk a lot about when I got my finances to honor God, mm -hmm. right? Because when men obviously start to, that's a stretch for them. They want to provide. There's a natural fear with that. Jesus said, you can't serve both God and mammon, right? That's the spirit behind it. So when they start to actually honor God, they notice that their heart follows. Yeah. So their heart changes as they obviously discover who they are in God. Their heart changes as they give, but their life changes as they've got friends and fun and brotherhood. And so that's yeah. been one of the beautiful things I feel like I've seen. Yeah, it's where, where you invest. And the Bible says where your where your treasure is, there your heart will be. It doesn't say where your heart is, you put your treasure. No, totally. But where you invest, whether it's in people or finances or time or effort, where you invest, coaching little league, uh, investing time in your family, that's where your heart will go. Totally. And and we we forget that. We invest our time, if you will, the whole part of the distraction. Is not just being, you know, ADD or something. Yeah. Some of that distraction actually can be, hey, I'm doing a hobby. It makes me feel better. But that distraction, because you've invested there, your heart's going there. Your heart's not with your family. Your heart's not with yeah. your children. You're not discipling your children. You're not training them. You're just yeah. bringing some money. You know, basically, you're the guy who brings some food into them. Yeah. So there, there's no relationship there in that sense. Talking with Pastor Anthony Fleming, uh, Church Live in New Jersey. And the website uh, to listen to your uh, stuff is uh, churchlive.tv. .tv, that's correct. Sounds like lifechurch.tv, but the, before lifechurch.tv made it famous. Yeah, .tv, that's right. Churchlive.tv, Pastor Anthony and Miriam Fleming. I want to thank you for hanging out with me, man. And sharing these uh, truths, because this is great stuff. Looking forward to the book coming out in September. Thank and, you. And uh, not sure when the podcast will drop, but everybody watching on Facebook Live, you'll you'll pick this up and be able to go there. And, uh, man, we pray blessing on you, you and Thank Miriam you, and your three God. children. And uh, it's fun to watch your guys grow on uh 
you know, the, the upside, you know, talk about distraction of social media. The upside is to be able to follow friends. Yeah, that's true. And see what's happening. And like right now, my, my kids are all texting my son, Brandon, and his wife, Meredith. And we're all kind of got a family text because today's their 15th anniversary. Oh, uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, he pastors, right. of course, C3 Church in Fort Worth. But, you know, uh, we just pray for you guys, you and Miriam, and the church there, Church Alive, and the campuses that you're still dreaming about and praying over, Amen. the different cities that your lives will impact. And we pray every place you put your feet will be holy ground. Yeah. And everything your hands touch will, will prosper, and that God will keep you deep within the grip of his grace and favor. Yeah, awesome you. time. And we could probably talk for hours on this stuff. Thanks for taking the time, Pastor Anthony. Paul, oh, it's an honor, my friend. And great to see you. And hope to see you sometime soon in person. Yeah. Amen, bro. Yeah, that, that'd be great. Well, hopefully you can be with us at our global summit again, as you've been before, November 4, 5, and 6 of uh, this year here in Dallas. We'll do it in person. Love you, bro. Blessings to you. Yeah, love you too. Thank you, sir. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.